Welcome to Sister Hack. Do you crave candid conversation? And are you curious about how others deal with the details of work, home, family, and everything in between? Well, sisters Hannah and Rachel have conversations about the unspoken dynamics that drive our everyday lives. And we have more in common than you think. So when you listen to Sister Hack, you too can share hacks and laughs that help make this convoluted life a little funnier and a little more clear. So now introducing Hannah and Rachel. Happy New Year. Happy 2020, Sister Hackers. How's everybody doing? You're probably not going to answer me. That's okay. We are here today to talk to you about communication, silent communication. And we're excited to bring you a great episode. But first, we want to talk a little bit about our own methods of communication. Yes, especially in regard to coming off of the holidays to family communication, kind of just overarching approach to how we get our point across, resolve conflict, don't resolve conflict, keep in touch with each other, reconnect. All of those different topics today. Exactly. And we are just coming off of a few days of all 14 members of the fairy family hanging out together. So Rachel and I took the liberty of going down and sitting down and um, thinking through how the 14 of us stay in touch, don't step on each other's toes when we're all together and when we're apart. Yes. So there... In our family, specifically, we have our parents, our mom and dad, and then there are five siblings. Hannah and I are the sisters, and we have three brothers, Um, and four of the five of us are married, so there's four in-law siblings. And then we have three babies. They're all mine. (laughs) They're all Hannah's babies, so that's kind of the makeup of our group of 14. The first thing that we do to keep in touch is all the adults are on a group text. And some people participate more than others. You t- you guess if Hannah and I help lead that charge or not. We are big participators. Um, the brothers chime in rarely. Yeah, usually if it involves like athletics, NBA. My mom participates quite frequently. My dad does. Um, and... Yeah, everyone else just kind of stays in the loop or is at least aware if they're not actively texting. I think it's a great way um, of keeping in touch. What else do we do to communicate, sis? Well, we are all big talkers, but also I've noticed over this time that we've been all together that there's different body language. For example, on Christmas Day, Rachel walked into my house and I could tell that she'd been bitten by the toddler cold that was going around. Because her body language was just tired and like, this isn't going to be a great day. Kind of like a mouth open approach to the day. Perhaps you can still hear it in my voice a little bit. Yeah. Body language is a big indicator of how someone is feeling or what they're thinking. Exactly. And I've been trying to read the in-laws body language a little bit because I know we can be a lot. So I look at Kyle, I look at Zach, I look at Kiki, I look at Steffi and I'm like, okay, do they feel like they're included in this family and what can we do? You know, I try to do that at least. Totally. Okay. Another big part of the way our family communicates is planning and logistics. Um, 
there are a few people in the family who like to plan in advance every detail and there are a few people who prefer an approach of like in the moment planning see how we feel see what we're thinking i would say that hannah and our dad are really into the advanced planning but it's not just advanced planning it's Mm -hmm. like if part a doesn't go well go down to page two (laughs) and pick out the second option i mean it's a very like thorough kind of map for yes so two things on that one is that that's how I lead my regular life so it's really hard to disconnect from that when especially when I know there's so many moving parts and then also when you're hosting because everybody is in Austin so it's like you kind of feel some kind of sense of charge having kids adds to that and then also like I've become more aware of it so I I literally have to like catch myself from asking what we're going to do next I try to like be more present if possible but What are you hackers? Are you guys advanced planners or are you more in the moment? moment? Perhaps we'll make a poll on our Instagram. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, Okay, another piece of interesting family dynamics is the confrontational versus the non-confrontational. Since we're rarely together, all the 14 of us, we don't have a lot of conflict. But I'd say something like the planning might come up or surface as to what we're going to do. Everybody's got an opinion, but only a few people state their opinion. (laughs) So I think overall we are pretty non-confrontational. I would say you're an exception to that. (laughs) I almost just choked on my cough drop. Wait, I'm non-confrontational? No, you're an exception to the non-confrontational. I think you're fairly confrontational. Oh, cool. Is that good or bad? I don't think there's a good or a bad. It's just like if there's a problem... You're probably not going to be passive about it. You'll say it. Ooh, yeah. I like that about me. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, but I, your body language tells the world yeah. what you're thinking. Mostly I'm smiling, though. <laughs> so when you're not smiling, everyone, <laughs> everyone knows. prepare. Um, and another way that we communicate, the final one that we thought of is... Um, through challenges, I'd say we're fairly competitive and I'm more on the competitive side than others, but it's a good way to like do family activities. So for example, last night we had a cook-off competition and this is our third annual. Um, I guess by the time this comes out, (coughs) this will not be last night, but we, on Christmas night, we had a cook-off competition. We drew teams. So Somehow, Rachel and I ended up on a team together. We were a little worried about our our chemistry, not necessarily our talent. We knew we'd be talented. We just sometimes butt heads. I will say when Rachel showed up looking like death rolled over, I was a little (laughs) nervous about our outcome, but she pulled it together by night, and we put forward a sweet, savory pizza. (laughs) A sweet, savory pizza. Um, Yeah, so basically all the siblings drew a name and we paired off, and we were given $30 as a budget to buy all the ingredients needed to prepare uh, an appetizer entree type of dish enough for everyone to have some. Yep, tapas. We were, yep, tapas style, we called it, and you were given 30 minutes in the kitchen then to prepare it. Right. So, And our parents are the judges, and they have a judging rubric, of course, 
um, mm-hmm. based and they rank kind of the dishes based off of presentation, creativity, and taste. And okay, so we didn't win, but no. we did leave a lasting impression in the mouth. This might be the first time I didn't win this competition. Oh, I've never won. I try really hard though. Um, the other thing is it had to be like inspired by a country, but we didn't really take that one very seriously. Yeah, we did a we modern did. a modern twist on an Italian pizza. On an Italian classic. That's how we that's how we phrased it. We had to kind of introduce it. Um, but yes, we do compete a lot. Another big family competition over the Christmas season was um, an NBA oh, yeah. draft of sorts. So my brother, my brothers. Stephen and Peter kind of arranged this whole draft for us. There were five NBA games on Christmas Day, and we each had to draft a player from one of those games. Um, and they had this whole point system set up, first points, rebounds, assists, steals. Anyway. Guess what place I came in? Dead last. Oh, was that hard for you? Or? It was. I, I will say I didn't put a lot of thought into the picks because I don't have a lot of knowledge, but... Usually, like, in the March Madness brackets, I can get by on a little luck. Just the chips weren't falling, or the hoops weren't falling, I guess you could <laughs> for say. You. For me. Steffi pulled out the win this yeah. year. I was happy that a brother didn't win. I mean, I do kind of want them to win because they're so into it, but then it's like, you know, it's nice to have, like, an outsider take it in, mm-hmm. take it home. Agreed. So t- today we have a very interesting podcast, and um, I'd say we just, let's get to it. Hello, welcome to Sister Hack. We are here today, Rachel and I, in Austin, Texas, with an esteemed colleague, Eric Green, Dr. Eric Green, I should say. He, and I just looked up your bio before this, Eric, is an expert on destruct on destructive patterns of communication. So I don't know if you're like in a lot of destructive <laughs> patterns of communication or you can just talk about it. Um, also, you are uh, communications professor here, faculty here at Concordia. Um, you're well-loved. We just missed you so much as you were on your sabbatical last semester, which we'll dive into in a little bit. Um, one of the first people that I met when I came to campus actually taught Rachel as well. Yes, fall 2009. Yeah, exceptional student. Would it have been? <laughs> yeah, good thing you didn't have me that spring. Spring of <laughs> freshman year, I really kind of just, you know, became a little unfocused. Hey. I was more into napping, but I remember, would it have been speech class? Yeah, that, that was our fundamentals at comm class. Okay. Yeah, you and Anna. Yeah, that's where I met Anna, who was in um, one of our episodes. What was the title of the episode that I was? It was a sister one. You know, we did that. So, but anyway. (laughs) Anyway, back to it. Let's let's show some good communication skills here with this episode. Um, With Dr. Green, we'll just call him Eric. Rachel's going to get you started, and I know you've listened to a couple episodes, so you know the format the hack yeses and hack noes. This is going to be like communications 101, you know? Hack yes or hack no, should you do this? and you can give a little explanation if you'd like. Yeah. All right, I'm ready. Heck yes! So for all the people at home, tell them what you think about family group texts, communicating through family group texts. Hack yes or hack no? Hack yeah with restraint. (laughs) Hack yeah with With restraint. restraint. Why? 
Um, I mean, there's a really good way to get information out, right? And a lot of family members that are on social media, that's a good way to show mm -hmm. a picture or share news of what's going on. Uh, but man, the, the mute function yeah. becomes really important yeah. uh, with family. So if you have a family member that has to respond to every person's contribution to what they have to say, um, you're going to have to mute them. Yeah. Oh, I like that tip. That's a, great. That's a great tip. Okay, hack yes or hack no. Um, communication 101. Email fluff instead of just getting to the point. Hack no. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Although some people can be too curt with an email, sure. and a little bit of rounding out of the email can help. Can help. Yeah. yeah. Just Have asking how the person's yeah. doing. A little bit of a greeting. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Monday. I usually write. I usually write the day of the week. Now I'm realizing. I'm only realizing that right now. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Hack yes or hack no. Apps like Find My Friends or Screen Time Tracking. Constant monitoring. I guess we call it. Hack no. Mm. Um, it's a tool that could be helpful for you if you feel like you're off track mm -hmm. um, to get you back on track. Um, I guess it depends on the personality. Um, mm -hmm. Like me, as, as a runner, I can get too caught up on whether the run was on the app or not. Mm -hmm. We get kind of obsessed by the numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that can be really problematic for living life to the fullest. Yeah. But I just have to insert here on the way from the airport, Rachel said she wasn't going to work out tomorrow unless she remembered her heart rate monitor. <laughs> That's right. Because it didn't happen if you don't yeah, have the heart no, rate yeah, monitor. I know, yeah, I know. I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you guys have vitality as your... Um, we do. Like, yeah. We do. So I, how do I log my workout and get my points if I don't have my yeah. heart rate monitor? You can miss out on some points. It's okay. True. There's a lot of other options. It's better for my health. I do get that. <laughs> There's a point to vitality. No. And it's no. not the points. Save it for the hashtags. Okay, go ahead. Save it for the hashtags. Okay. So, hack yes or hack no, phone scrolling while waiting. Scrolling on your phone while you're waiting for something or someone. Hack yeah. Yeah, why not? Um, that can be a good time to catch up on things that you might not be mm -hmm. able to catch up on. Um, you know, if you had the chance to do it while you're waiting for something versus when you're sitting down with a loved one mm -hmm. or a friend, it's obviously better to do it when you're waiting. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that I, I've been practicing just waiting without my phone. Ooh. And there's a lot of processing that happens there, thinking about yeah. where I just came from, who I just talked to. Yeah. Uh, and I used to do that a lot more before having my phone. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there's something really valuable there uh, yeah. to being able to do that. That sounds like a nice challenge. Maybe that will work into one of our questions later, okay. I know, of like daily application. Yeah. Okay, our last one here, hack yes or hack no, writing letters to communicate. Oh, heck yeah. Mm. Um, when you ever get anything in the mail or mm -hmm. if you had something left in your office that was a handwritten letter, mm -hmm. it just has extra value to it because mm -hmm. the person took a little bit of extra time uh, to do that. It feels a little bit more personal. Mm -hmm. Even seeing the way the person wrote the words yeah. um, communicate something to you. Yeah. So I love getting handwritten notes. That's true. Same. Mm. Wow, you did a great job. Yeah, awesome. Hack way to go. Thank you. I don't think Hack that awesome. we can uh, <laughs> argue any of those. Um, a recent one, story that happened just off of that last one is for my kids who are four and two, for their, you know, you feel like you have to get the teacher's Christmas presents, but I had them narrate to me what they wanted to write on the note instead of me just write, Merry Christmas, thank you so much, which is also great. Um, but my two-year-olds came out something like, 
snowman, um, mom, um, gummies, um, <laughs> and so These I think I think they really yeah. appreciated it. Yeah. I think they will appreciate it at least. Uh, so and also a nice cop out for me not having to write anything. <laughs> you never drop off a handwritten letter to Goodwill. Oh wow! <laughs> Let's make that the title of this episode. <laughs> All right, just to warm you up a little bit. Um, Eric, can you give us common attributes found among strong communicators? So these are really hard to identify, right? It's like we we walk away from people and we can either say that was a good interaction or it was a bad interaction, but if we had to pick it apart, it's a little difficult to identify. I think number one is uh, idea of presence, Mm -hmm. uh, being able to set aside wherever else you're at Um, wherever your mind might be going, bracket off that moment and be there um, with people. And then with that presence comes a certain level of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And that mindfulness is not trying to jump ahead. Um, It's trying to understand what the other person is saying to you first before you respond to them. It's not thinking that, oh, I know what this person is going to say. They always respond this way. Mm -hmm. You're always curious that something new might come up Mm -hmm. in that interaction with uh, the person. So then, you know, it's a balance uh, beyond that of giving and taking. So someone that doesn't interact at all, we wouldn't necessarily say they're a good listener because they're just sitting silent the whole time the other person is talking. Mm-hmm. You want something back from right. them. But then if you're the one that's talking all the time, we would say that person is monopolizing. Mm-hmm. Right. So there can be like egocentric listening, which would be a bad form of communication, okay. where anytime you say something, the other person's like, oh, that yeah. reminds me of something about me. <laughs> that reminds one, me of an experience upper. that I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's great that your boyfriend did that for you. Let me tell you what my boyfriend did for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the, the effective communicator is able to care enough about the other person and be present enough mm-hmm. um, to be surprised by the interaction mm-hmm. and be constructive in a way that hopefully the other person walks away feeling um, felt, yeah. heard, felt understood. Heard. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because when you started that, um, you kind of put the ball in the court of the person receiving the communication, not necessarily, you know, when you're looking at the person who's initiating it. Um, and that, I don't think that's something that we often think about when it comes to communication skills is the receiver of Mm -hmm. it and how, how it's up to us maybe to determine if other people are good communicators or not. Um, it's not just by how we, we receive responding it. Responding and, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's a really good point, and it can be really context-specific, right? So I naturally am better at being the receiver when I'm here on campus because I'm paid for mm-hmm. that. That's my job. I want to be a professor that's right. listening well. And then when I go home, talk to my wife, I'm not good at that. Mm-hmm. I automatically kind of want to give something mm-hmm. so that she'll be supportive of what I have to say. Mm-hmm. So we have to get good at that kind of holistically Mm -hmm. rather than just Mm -hmm. in certain environments but sure I mean as the receiver some people might not be able to interact with you well and you have to find a way to close down that conversation because it can be a tremendous waste of your time (laughs) or you can feel like you're continually hitting your head against the brick wall Mm -hmm. so Eric you just so and this episode will come out in January so throughout the fall semester you were on sabbatical can you tell us what is a sabbatical but then also, what was your goal for sabbat- your sabbatical? So, um, sabbatical. 
Oh, good one. Sabbatical, Hannah said. Yeah, so what were my sabbaticals? What were your sabbaticals? Are we being good receivers, or are we making this about us? We're trying to make it about us. I'm no, gonna... we're co-constructing oh. a podcast right now. Okay, so this perfect. is very good. Okay. Uh, so sabbatical um, traditionally follows a seven-year cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very uh, biblical in the sense of working six days and taking a Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, sabbatical is usually around six or seven years, mm-hmm. and then taking a period of time off. Uh, and during that time, it really is meant to be rest and restoration. Uh, if you think about rotating crops, you know, you're supposed to leave the land empty uh, on year seven to let it rejuvenate and have nutrients mm-hmm. um, so that it yields a higher crop the next year. And so within universities, um, mm-hmm. Some univ- I'm very thankful that ours um, mm-hmm. still honors this um, very um, traditional way of kind of honoring uh, faculty and giving them a chance to rest. A lot of churches do it mm-hmm. uh, with their pastors uh, as well. And then even people in the um, tech world now are starting oh, to do more sabbaticals. Yeah, they just constant connection. It's time to back away and yeah. unplug for a little bit. So uh, I was really, uh, my, my three areas I was looking at were silence, listening, and contemplation. And so I wanted to really understand some of the balance between inaction and silence and then action and how mm-hmm. do we hang in the tension of those two. Uh, when is silence good? When is it healthier? When is it toxic uh, for us? What does listening really look like? And then with contemplation, I was really looking at the wisdom traditions Um, even other religions that kind of adopt this way of sitting in silence. Um, It's it's a bit more than meditation. So I went out to New Mexico. I went to a monastery out there. I spent a a day at a silent retreat and learned from the monks out there and their tradition, their Benedictine monks. I went for the to the Center for Action and Contemplation where Richard Rohr is doing a lot of work around action and contemplation. And then Christina and I spent two weeks in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really got to understand a slower pace of life, um, two and a half hour dinners, mm-hmm. um, no to-go cups at coffee shops, right? If you're going to have a cup yeah. of coffee, have a cup of coffee. Is that why you brought this <clears throat> ceramic mug in here? I did bring the ceramic mug, yes. <laughs> I actually had a very jolting uh, reverse culture shock experience did when you? I went into a Starbucks when I... I came back. I had a past yeah. student that I wanted to meet, and it was just so crazy in there. Yeah. Everyone had headsets yeah. on, the music's playing, everyone that's sitting down has their earbuds in, and just to-go cups everywhere, right? They don't wow. even serve coffee in the shop. I'll, Starbucks, I love you. Um, yeah. But, I mean, just get some real cups yeah. in the shop. Yeah, think how overwhelming that is for Europeans, yeah. you know, when they come oh, yeah. in and they're just like, this isn't the coffee shop yeah. that I signed up for. Yeah, so I wanted to gain, uh, real quick, so the goals, I just wanted to gain a better understanding of those things myself mm-hmm, and become mm-hmm. a better listener and learn contemplation myself. Uh, and then I really wanted to think about how to bring that into the curriculum for mm-hmm. students, um, figure out a way. I think it's a huge need for um, yeah. college students of all ages right now and right. of all different places in life. It's a high need, and mm-hmm. I want that to be an area where I can serve them. That's what I was going to just follow up with is like, what's the motivation behind that? And obviously, you know, we are a very connected technology, instant, you know, instant gratification type of world. And so it's interesting to study the opposite of that, where it didn't used to be such a foreign, you know, concept mm-hmm. of silence or waiting without being plugged in somewhere. So it's just 
funny how quickly that changes. Right. So what? So what's something gained from that, <laughs> um, from silence, and then maybe what's something that is? Well, I guess the way that I put it before is um, in our transition to constant communication. What's a benefit of that, and then what have we lost because of that? Yeah, I mean we're we're living in such a seemingly advanced society right mm-hmm. now uh, where I can sit down with you and have this conversation and we're allowing anyone that wants to to mm-hmm. like listen into this conversation. It's amazing to be able mm-hmm. to access right. that information. Um, if I wasn't able to travel to Italy to see some of the museums and the monasteries, I can go online and look at those and mm-hmm. do a virtual tour of that sure. place. Um, we can do family texts to share news if yeah. we want to. Um, we have the ability to access so much information. I mean, I TED Talks are just like brain candy for me, right? Mm. You want to learn a new skill. My, dryer broke and I went on YouTube and watched a video and fixed it for $12, right? So there's all these these sources of information and experience that are available to us that never were uh, before. Um, The the downside I think really is we've we've given control to our devices uh, instead of having ownership or agency over them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're wiring our brain to want to check our phone all the time. Uh, yeah. And so it becomes, we, we've uh, almost trapped ourselves uh, because our brains need the hit. Mm, and it yeah. takes a lot of work to then rewire our brains to crave I feel something else. I feel else. nervous when I don't know mm-hmm. where my phone is. I feel anxious. It's it's something that is almost embarrassing. Like you like to think of yourself as being above that, but you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not. No, mm-hmm. that's right. And I'm not either. And so two years ago, that's when I started as my special topics course, a silence and listening course. Mm. And it was really popular amongst the students. I did that one more year and we just turned it into a permanent course that oh, all cool. comm majors will take. Um, and students crave it, right? I have a little leather box I pass around the room. If students want to put their phone up in it, they can. They don't have to. They all do. They just love that 50 minute of time to just break away from it for a little bit. Oh my goodness. Wow, that sounds great. I feel relaxed just thinking about it as I <laughs> hold my phone in my hand <laughs> yes, I know. to record this. You mentioned earlier um, the word toxic silence. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I'll start with this story. Vulnerable story. I first moved to uh, Austin, and I didn't know a soul, so it was me and my golden retriever, Mm. me and Kita. And I don't know if you had that experience before, but I was kind of home alone in the apartment, just a little too long Uh by myself, Mm -hmm. uh, and gets a little dicey. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of of clutter, a lot of noise, uh, a lot of emotions kind of stirring up for, for me in my head and my heart. And so I just hopped in the car and went to Target, started walking around just to be around right. some people. Right. Cashier was like, how's your day today? I'm like, thanks for asking. Oh, I, yep. I've been there. I've been there. I'm doing okay. How about you? Like, yeah. Like, you know, can we just chat for a little bit here? Uh, so, so I think we're, it's very dangerous, especially if you think about 
you know, as you, you work with students that are going into to teaching whatever grade level, right. yeah, from elementary, middle school, high school, and into college, if you have very toxic recordings going on in oh, your head, yeah. to have to try to get that person, that student, uh, to just sit in silence is a really mm -hmm. bad move uh, because, you know, it's, it's called rumination, right? We mm -hmm. just are ruminating over the negative emotions. And that the negative thoughts have a really long shelf life. Right? So we're kind of set up for failure with emotions. Positive emotions come and they fade away real quick. Mm. You have to feed into them to keep them going. Negative emotions, they come and then they stay and they, they stay, stay and they yeah. stay and they stay. So silence can be very toxic if we haven't prepared ourselves to think about what we're going to have going on in our mind and our heart while we're in those moments of silence. Something that strikes me is that silence tell me if this is true or not in what you've <laughs> been thinking about sure. over the last semester, but sure. when it's like a choice, it's easier for us to embrace it than if it's not our choice. Oh, I feel like that would be tough. You know, like I think about the elderly perhaps or mm -hmm. people who live alone and maybe don't want to or never had before mm -hmm. or, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, when my sister and I were kids, we would giggle in church all the time, right? Yeah. We'd get like the look from my mom, like keep mm -hmm. down right now. Yeah. But just the fact that you're supposed to be quiet uh -huh. makes it very difficult yeah. to yeah, be exactly. quiet. Yeah. Um, so that kind of fits into it. I think the other part that I think about is the silent treatment. Ooh. If we give someone the silent treatment, you have no control over that. That's mm -hmm. a huge power move that the other person is using to, I mean, almost as a weapon to wound you, yeah. right? And wow. you have no choice over that silence in the mm -hmm. home or with that friend. Um, so, uh, so that's a, a big piece of it, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Is there a difference between being silent and just being quiet? Yeah, and I wrote down more. So, as a was it was silence mean the the list that I have so far is like, is it no talking? Is it quiet, like lower volume of voices? Is it like? only sounds of nature, mm. right? Uh, do, you, do you all listen to music when you run? Podcasts. Do you listen to podcasts when you run? I listen to white noise when, <laughs> I, when I sleep. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's... No, that's good. I, I, don't, I usually don't have anything uh, when I'm running, yeah. and so that's like a good way for me to process through yeah. some things. It's not, yeah. it's not silence, it's though. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just being out in nature. It's all mm -hmm. kinds of noises. I can hear the wind, I can mm -hmm. hear the trees, the birds, I hear my, you know, shoes hitting the pavement. <laughs> um, and then there's this other idea of stillness, right? Mm, Which right. is kind of this inner characteristic. You can be in a very loud, crowded room and still experience kind of stillness of heart or stillness of soul that yeah. would be kind of a sense of silence mm -hmm. as well. So I don't think silence exists. Mm. So oh. I think we need to have other ways of being able to describe um, what it. those things are. That's interesting. Oh. So when you were at the monasteries mm -hmm. and there was no talking, mm -hmm. but did you find there to be a, a sense of intentionality with the silence, what they were doing in order for it to not become that toxic silence that you talked about? Yeah, and the Benedictine rule, the way it's set up, has eight times of prayer. Uh, oh, throughout wow. the day, um, very specific hours for manual labor, hours for reading and studying or writing. Mm -hmm. And so the, the kind of intention behind that was that we could get in such a rhythm that then we don't have to be anxious about, am I doing enough right now? 
Yeah. Uh, am I doing too little or too much? Am I praying enough right now or too little? Uh, you have this prescribed so that then you can begin to really contemplate the deeper insights on life, on the world, on God, on the universe. And so those eight times of prayer are specific chanting, specific psalm readings, mm. specific prayers. So those are constantly nurturing that which is true, good, and beautiful. Wow. Um, so then in those times in between, you're doing manual mm -hmm. labor, thinking about what you had just experienced in your time of prayer beforehand. That reminds me of time batching almost a little bit that you do, oh, Hannah. Productivity. Yeah. We're just setting aside time to do, to do the same thing. thing so that you're not multitasking. You're always monotasking. Yeah. Um, and then what I would add is with that time batching, like what emotion is coming along with that mm. as well. Oh, yeah. So if you have certain things that are kind of nurturing more negative emotions mm -hmm. in you, you have to be careful of what's coming after that because that can then overshadow a lot of your day potentially. Oh, that's really interesting. So you may need, you know, I'm, I need a 20 color. minute time of, yeah. yeah, 20 minute time. You may need to color move some things around cow, for though, spring. Like blue is like more of a sad emotion. <laughs> Fire is an anger. Red. Inside Out. Speak oh, yeah. Inside Out characters. Oh, yeah, the movie Inside Out. Okay, speaking of red, tension. <laughs> well, we talked, too, about how... You <laughs> I mean, how is that segue? Yeah, no, I mean, Eric? that was a great... Fantastic. Well, all, speaking of reg with... This is the hack segment. Yes. Speaking of red with Dr. Green, um, we are going to, uh, sorry, I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> We're, so this is where we give listeners hacks for things that they might encounter in their everyday lives. Um, so what, what is a hack or, you know, advice or a practical tip for addressing tension in a relationship? We're shifting here a little bit more to the conflict <laughs> and resolution. What would be, you know, and it could be maybe some simple takeaways, but addressing tension in a relationship. Well, so f first of all, again, like it, I, I can be a professor of conflict and listening in silence and still be yeah. a terrible husband at home. Right. So it's first of all, wanting to figure out how to work through that with the other person. Right. You know, one way that I've heard about this before is it's really hard to learn a different language unless you fall in love with someone that speaks that language. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. All of a sudden, my motivation to learn Spanish or German is going to increase mm -hmm. because of the love I have for that other person. Mm -hmm. So with alleviating tension, it has to be a recognition of the love and appreciation that you have for the other person um, first. That's a huge motivator. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of timeouts. Um, we, we can get on crazy cycles of attack, counterattack real easily. Right. Uh, and so the timeout has to be a chance to say, we're both kind of weak in this moment mm -hmm. and not able to be unconditionally constructive. You just got to put the brakes on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's really important for people to have a realistic um, plan for where they're going to go for that break if it's different rooms for a moment. Uh, and a dedicated time of mm -hmm. when you're going to reconnect around that. And it's really easy in that time off, again, you know, how we are ruminating on things or trying to be positive about things shapes the way we're going to talk with that person. Mm -hmm. 
side note, there's a really interesting study that they looked at medical doctors and the way that the medical doctors talked about their patients behind the scenes mm -hmm. around the different nurses and administrative assistants and other doctors directly influenced the way they talked bedside to their patients. So teachers, teachers yeah. griping about sure, students yeah. in the lounge are going to talk negatively about students in front of the students. So you can't separate the, the two. Right. So, so you have to be in the mindset of really, what's my need here? Why am I frustrated? Mm -hmm. um, how could that need be met? What am I grateful for in the other person? Um, and what can I bring to that other person to try to meet their need as well? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's a great answer. I could listen to you talk all day. <laughs> that's like Maybe that's why that. I, did I say that already? Oh, Maybe that's why I majored in communication. That's right. This um, is your world. Okay, oh, coming up on the time of being with a lot of family, what is a practical way to reconnect with our loved ones? In a meaningful way, specifically. <coughs> well, <clears throat> we're coming up on it now, and people are going to hear this in January, so yeah, they're going to be thinking about maybe the, the spring holidays, right, when that comes up for them. St. Patty's Day, Saint how do you connect? <laughs> how do you show love on St. Patty's Day? Yeah. You know, I think, I think it starts with your own daily... Um, practice. So in, in my listening class, beginning of every class, we take five minutes of silence and it's just journaling. So mm. think about, write down three things that you're grateful for and something new that you learned about yourself, others, or the world. Um, and so I think if we could think about those family members and say, you know, can I, can I dig deep okay. <laughs> and find one thing that I'm grateful for um, yeah. with that person mm -hmm. or be able to say, you know, what's one thing I did learn about that person mm -hmm. or their world? Mm -hmm. I think there's an empathy building exercise that happens there that makes us a little bit more um, expansive mm -hmm. rather than feeling constrained. Uh, so if you go in with the mindset that there's a reason that this person is a difficult person, right? and instead of trying to get something from them, mm -hmm. just be able to say, they might become a difficult person because they got a hardship all around them in their life. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to be one little blip of positivity or kindness. It's got to be genuine because they're going to call BS on you, mm -hmm. right? If you just come at them real strong positive. Uh, but I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, right now coming up with Christmas, I love receiving Christmas cards and people's pictures. I mean, that's just a sweet way to yeah. reconnect yeah, with loved definitely. ones it's as a well. It's neat tradition. It is, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you send one out? We do. Yeah. Good. Yeah, we do. Um, and... It has been a really important tradition for us, and then we bundle all of our cards um, after Christmas every year. And Christina makes a really sweet, like, little tag for it for each of the years, oh, so we can go sweet. back and look. That's really cool. Yeah. So we have all like these beautiful faces of friends and family and coworkers just hanging up in our dining room, and it just really warms up our home because you have all those ah. people around. So sweet. Okay, I got a final hack for you. <laughs> to try to supply to our listeners here. And this is totally open-ended for you. What, what is a hack for anything that you might have learned on your sabbatical that you think people should um, implement into their daily life? So <clears throat> I've really learned a, a one-minute hack, a five-minute hack, a 20-minute hack. Ooh, wow. Yes. Um, and I knew this so was going to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So recently, the one minute hack is uh, from Tom Hanks in the Mr. Rogers movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he says, will you sit with me right now mm-hmm. and for 60 seconds, think about those people that loved you into being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a very powerful moment um, in, in that, that movie. And so I think at any point in time, whatever we have going on in our lives, we could have just 60 seconds. Sam, I hit the pause button here, and I'm just going to think about those people that love me into mm-hmm. being. It shifts uh, the dynamic of our thoughts. Uh, five minutes would be what I said, the journaling. Uh, yeah. three, three things you're grateful for today, and then something you've learned about yourself, others, or the world uh, today. And then the 20 minutes, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that people talk about just silence or meditation. Um, Keating talked about centering prayer uh, mm. and so our very own uh, Ricky Allen here told me about an app that's a centering prayer app mm. uh, and so if you don't know what to do with that time uh, you start off with kind of an opening reading or prayer it's got an opening sound you can do a gong or a chime or whatever it might be you can set the length of time that you want just to be quiet and then it'll give you a closing sound and then you have a final reading uh, to do so I think just uh, for me, like I'll, I'll sit there sometimes like, okay, I'm going to have some quiet time for 20 minutes. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what do I do with it? Mm-hmm. Right? It's a very prescribed way to learn how to get our mind uh, mm-hmm. into uh, that gear. And you won't know if, if you're not doing it, you're not going to see the effect. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you do it once or twice, people are like, well, it didn't really mm-hmm. help. It, it becomes a lifelong um, process. It takes practice. It takes practice, yeah. right? Like you don't go to the gym and start trying to like bench press 200 mm. pounds, right? Unless right. I'm wearing my heart rate monitor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not going to go out for a 10 mile run for your first Without run, my, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did you know? What is the name of that app? Uh, Centering Prayer. Centering Prayer. Centering Prayer. I'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> We don't have show notes. That's why it's funny. I got more links for your show notes, so you let me know about those show notes. Yeah, that's a good. Maybe we will for this one. Okay, as you, we've already been throwing out some clever wordplay, but we always end. We always end our sister hack episodes with some hashtags. So, um, the first one I thought of is hashtag silent badical. Ah, okay. Yeah, I mean it's. It's it could have been better. <laughs> he doesn't love it. Sabbaticals. Sabbaticals is a follow-up. We already said that one. Um, this one just popped yeah. into mind when you were talking about your wife's Christmas card traditions. Christina cards. Okay. <laughs> Instead of Christmas. <laughs> Still needs work. We're, Christina cards. That's his dog. (laughs) Okay. Last year, Eric led new faculty. Well, actually, not necessarily new, but faculty through um, just kind of teacher training program called AQ. Really awesome thing. So I just need to say AQ very much. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really have any more. I have one more. Hannah has one more, but. I do just want to like this one I didn't make up I can't take credit for it it was actually Drizzy Drake the rapper Um, but I just think about how (laughs) the first class I had with you in 2009 my first semester of college we were on the bottom floor um, started at the bottom (laughs) now we here we are we're on the second now we're here on the second floor you still have yeah you still have a ways to go Uh, there's only there's only two floors (laughs) Concordia Um, you received your doctorate from Texas UT and you have really like orange pronounced robe that you wear at graduation so hashtag green wears orange okay I like it I guess we'll end on that one that's a it's a new Netflix series orange orange is the new green
We love our own jokes, but we love yours as well. Yeah. Well, and it's enjoyable to watch y'all at least laugh at your jokes. <laughs> Thank you. So. We get it from our mom. We're very good at laughing at our own jokes. Yeah. We get it from our mama. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you, Eric, for your I'm, time. This is so much fun. We'll have you back. You got a lot to offer the audience. <laughs> I know. Hackhead to a round two. Well, let, yeah, let's see what the reviews say. So if we got five stars on this one, we'll come back. Anything less, we're out. We're, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. I don't ever listen to a four-star podcast. <laughs> so. And on that note, thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day.